It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Don't forget about our Smoky Mountain Organics. You can visit them online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com, or you can visit in person one of their four locations in East Tennessee, three in Sevier County, including Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, and their newest location in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike. That's just across from Trader Joe's on Kingston Pike. It is the mailbag edition of the podcast, which means we dive into your questions and we jump right into the hoops world with our first question, Rob. This is from uh, Farmer Vol, and he wants to know, why do you guys think that the basketball balls have, uh, haven't been able to beat a good team away from home, including a neutral site? I know Colorado and Mississippi State aren't chopped liver, but neither are projected to make the tournament. In fact, the only projected tournament team they have beaten away from home is North Carolina in Connecticut. Uh, I know that winning away from home is tough, but they're as talented as this team is. Uh, and as good as they've been able to play at times, I just find it kind of strange that they've not been able to pull one of those games out away from Thompson Bowling Arena. Do you think, guys, that it's bad luck, or do you think it's this team missing something that makes beating good teams away from home a reality? How much does this factor your temper uh, or temper your expectations for potential tournament run, Rob? Uh, it doesn't temper it for me at all, because playing in a neutral site in the NCAA tournament is about as similar to play it at Arkansas as – you know, played at Neyland Stadium or played at West High School. There's, there's no comparison. Just, you know, and, and it's not – I mean, they, didn't, they lost to Alabama without Fulkerson, without Kennedy Chandler. Arkansas is as good of an environment as you're going to see in the country. Kentucky, Rupp Arena, crowd speaks for itself. Villanova's a top-10 team. Texas Tech is a French top-10 team. I mean, just – I don't – it's just hard to win on the road. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a not, an anomaly that they lost – you know, all those games, but, you know, bounce here or bounce there against Texas Tech and Alabama, and Tennessee wins those games. So, no, it doesn't, that doesn't really do much for me as far as thinking about what they might be able to do in the NCAA tournament. Because, again, yeah. those, those crowds and those environments are nothing, nothing, nothing compared to playing in a, a true road game. Yeah, road games are road games, and you're not playing any of those in the NCAA tournament. And as for any neutral site losses they have this year – those were before this team kind of found its identity. Like, there, there was no identity back when they were playing early in the year. Ziegler wasn't Ziegler. Um, you know, you didn't have some of these other kids that are stepping up. Um, you know, Kennedy Chandler really started to find his footing of late. Um, not, not that he played bad early in the year because he had the 30-point game at Colorado, but I'm just saying, like, he's a lot more consistent of a player, it seems like, um, especially defensively than, you know, he was earlier in the year because the way they played in SEC play with he and Ziegler leading the, the conference in steel. So I, I think it's just – it's different because you're, you're weighing all these lo- losses on the road of late instead of, you know, what will be neutral site. And, and, and they haven't lost any dogs on the road. I mean, every they don't have a bad loss. Every road loss they have is to a ranked team, a quad, yep. one, quad one loss. I mean, Kentucky lost their, their toughest road game at Auburn. They lost at LSU. They lost a neutral court game to do. You know, Auburn needed a, a fortuitous block charge call to win in the last second in Georgia. They almost got beat at Missouri. They lost at Florida. You know, they lost at Arkansas like Tennessee did. So, I mean, it's, again, winning on the road in college basketball is just flat out hard against good teams in packed houses. 
Would your bigger concern about this team in terms of ex- expectations for turn- postseason tournament run is whether or not somebody can knock down that game winner because they've had multiple opportunities of that for that. Yes. They've not been able to do that. Rob, is that a bigger concern, or do you think that's just, hey, the shot didn't go down, they didn't have their best weapons all the time when those shots presented themselves, or do you still worry about this team, who's the go-to guy, if there's 20 seconds left on the clock and you're down one in a tournament game? No, I don't, I don't worry about that. I give Kennedy Chandler the ball and tell him to make a play, and – maybe that play is to Santiago Viscovi in the corner. If, if Kennedy is driving the lane or Sonny is taking a, you know, mildly contested 23-footer, I'll live with that all day long. My biggest concern, I mean, you didn't mention it, is by far who can score 10 points that, that plays the four or five position for Tennessee. All right, on to the next question we go. Deshaun13 wants to know how big is this next class for the rebuild? Uh, the last two classes have been small. Obviously, he's talking about football here, uh, Austin. We, we totally expect this to be a full class for Tennessee. Now, they may save some spots for transfers. We'll see how that goes. But from a restriction standpoint and everything else, they should be at 85 and 25, right? Yeah, and, and they'll be – you know, I, I fully expect Tennessee, too, to be way more active in that December-January portal push than they were this year because they just couldn't be because they were trying to get all this crap behind them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I expect Tennessee to have a full class and – uh you know, to be very active at uh, along the line of scrimmage with offensive linemen, defensive linemen. They got to figure out who their quarterback's going to be. But again, I think because of the transfer portal, you know, if you come up short at a position or like, let's say, you know, you don't find the quarterback you really truly want, you can always go to the portal route. You, you look around college football or college basketball for that matter. I mean, how many guys, you know, are on some of those good SEC teams that transferred in from other places? I just think that's modern-day college sports. And so you've got to be very active, you know, going forward. Tennessee will have to be very active coming out of spring practice with with, with the portal. Rob, is the the transfer portal in basketball more impactful than the transfer portal in football just because you're dealing with smaller numbers? I think totally. And I would say just like you did, it's smaller numbers because – I mean, it's, it's always been this way. It's a sport where one guy can make all the difference. Where even, even if you get the great quarterback, I mean, don't get me wrong, we all are on the same page of how important the quarterback position is. It's, it's not the same because you still have 20 – I mean, not just 22 other guys, but you got to have 40 other guys, you know, to really be, a, be an elite team. I mean, in, in basketball, you, that one guy can make an enormous difference. And, you know, if you just look at the top four teams in the SEC, I mean, Kentucky's got – what two transfers started at least, and I might, I might be missing somebody. Grady and, and Shreveway. I think Arkansas has three, maybe four transfers starting. Auburn is. I know the guard Johnson is, is a transfer. They got another dude. Auburn has more. All, all three of the top four besides Tennessee have multiple starters that were transfers. Yeah, and they've been able to make chemistry work. They've done it at, at a lot of places around the country as well. You look at Texas and some of those teams that have got four or five transfers that are making impacts for them. So credit to them for being able to manage the locker room with that many new faces. I know no one cares about what I'm about to talk about, like in the grand scheme of things, but like, cause we're always talking about like the Lakeway school, the Lakeway private school. It's a lot easier to get softball, volleyball, basketball off the mat with one or two good players than it is a football program because you have to have more guys. So that again, like even like a sport like baseball, softball, when you can bring in the right pitcher or hitter, 
that could put the team over the top, just like Rob said with basketball. Football is just a different deal. You've got to bring in a lot of guys to kind of put them over the top, in my opinion. Hey, Pete, right. what's, what's, what kind of impact is the transfer portal having on the golf team? I'll tell you later. Never know, Rob. You never know. Oh, I think that's almost an AP wink if you are uh, if you had a video. Uh, story yeah. written, Pepper. Pepper, story <laughs> written. All right. All Vols Recruiting wants to know, does Tennessee have a legitimate shot at Kyler Casper? Uh, I think he would be a great fit for Tennessee. And what are Tennessee's chances with A.C. Mason Young? AP, I think with A.C. Mason Young, it's about size and speed. And, and does, does, he have, does he have enough of the combination of both for him to be an SEC football player. I think the jury's still out a little bit there. What about Kyler Casper? As far as, far, as, far as Kyler Casper, yeah, I mean, he'd be a great fit for Tennessee. He's top, one of the top receivers in the country. Great can you get him here from Arizona? Yeah. You know, can, can you get him here from Arizona? And, you know, um, I think that's what it boils down to is, like, him getting to campus. Obviously, the one guy he's heard the most from is Cody Burns. Cody Burns is not here anymore. And so – who does Tennessee hire? Does that coach have any kind of relationship with Kyler Casper? Or are you starting from ground zero? You know, I, and, and if you're starting from ground zero, it just makes it hard. It's like, can you hire somebody that, you know, at least has, has talked to Carnell Tate before? Because otherwise, I just think it makes it hard, you know, because, you know, Carnell Tate has good relationships with Ohio State, Notre Dame, so on and so forth. And he had great relationships here. But, you know, the one guy he was talking most to was Cody Burns. He's now gone. Do you agree with me on AC Mason Young? Yes. He did not run well enough, nor was big enough at camp last summer. Not to say he can't grow or get faster, but he's not to a point where, like, Tennessee's going to be all hot and bothered and going down that road right now. Back to hoops we go. Big Orange 17-10, Rob. What are the chances the Vols end up in Greenville for the first and second round? Does the NCAA still try to keep the top three, four seeds a little closer to home? That is the only nearby venue unless you count Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't know what the chances are, Herbert, but I hope they're great. Everyone does. And they should if they can take care if they can take care of a team that's take care of business and not and finish strong. I mean, I think within reason, I think the NCAA, you know, tries to do that. And in the first round, it doesn't matter because you've got, you know, the way they see you get different regions and with all the pod seating. Yeah, with all the pods. I mean, it does it doesn't matter like it used to. So I mean, unless there's really, you know, the danger of having you know, three teams in the SEC in one region, you know, by the top six seeds or something. I would think that Tennessee's chances are favorable, but, but again, it, I think a lot depends on who else makes it from the SEC, you know, who, how many, or, or the ACC for that matter. Cause I mean, everybody from those two conferences, pretty, or at least from the East in the SEC is going to want to be in Greenville. Anybody, ACC doesn't have a lot to worry about this year, but all those teams are going to want to be in Greenville as well. But, but again, I, I hope the chances are great. And, uh, and I would think that that would be a pretty solid shot. If Tennessee finishes, you know, at least – I don't think they necessarily have to beat Auburn, but if they, you know, go three and one here or two and one now um, with Arkansas, Georgia, and Auburn to finish – what would that put them, 12 and, 12 and six in the league, you know, beat who they're supposed to beat on Friday in Tampa, no matter what happens on Saturday. I would, I would think they would be a three seed and, and have a great shot at being in Greenville. Rob, if they end up in Greenville, you let me know. I'll get you in at the Howard Johnson's in Mossheim, and I'll, I'll come up and take you to dinner at a, or a lunch at a 
Yoder's there right off the Bulls' gap. AP, unfortunately, they're not going to be playing at Hal Hennard <laughs> in Greenville. It's, it's Greenville, South Carolina. I know. I'm joking. Nice reference, both of you. Well, one, one, would think, one would think Kentucky would be in Indianapolis. That's the – would be the – Yeah, I would agree. for them. To, as a one or two seed. Yeah. And But if what if – but not if they're in the same region as Purdue. I mean, that's, you know – if Kentucky was the two and Purdue's region and Purdue was the one or, or vice versa, they're probably both not getting Indianapolis. Yeah, that's a good point too. So we'll see how it all shakes out. A lot of it depends on not just where your team's seated, as Rob mentioned, but where some other teams are seated in your geographical region. By the way, Florida losing at home to Arkansas. Hurt. That would Hurt. have been a nice one to get. And, and, and that's, that's a tough one for them because that's a home court. They needed to steal that one to, to help. Especially following up the Auburn win. Yeah, and they played well enough. They just faded down the stretch. I mean, they were, they were in it, but um, that that's one that's going to hurt them. It, they still they still get Kentucky at home in the finale. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's enough to overcome. Man, incredible home schedule late then, huh? Yeah, pretty favorable. Yeah, pretty, but but then he, you know Tennessee's catching Kentucky, Auburn, and Arkansas in the last three weeks too. So. Yep, that's certainly that's certainly not a bad uh, road schedule for Tennessee. They got all their road stuff out of the way, hard road stuff out of the way early in the year, as we talked about in earlier podcasts. All right, E. Schaefer, 92, I recently pur- purchased one of Tillman's NIL j- shirts. Do you have any insight on how much the player benefits off the sale of the merchandise? For example, does he get a set dollar amount off of each shirt sold? AP, do you know how those deals work? Aren't they kind of – everybody's deal's a little bit different? Everybody's deal's different. And then, um, but yeah, they're, they're, but they're also kind of standard too. Like I'm not saying they're, they're not set in stone amount, so they can be different, but they're pretty standard. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's just kind of a set amount that each kid gets. Um, it's not by buying, it's just whatever the one shirt is you get for every shirt you sell, you get X amount off of that shirt. So, um, you know, I, I don't think any kids are getting rich off t-shirt sales, but I do think they get some coin in their pocket, which is a positive. I thought it was interesting, uh, Michael W. Smith, um, who's or Mike Smith, who's worked for forever in a bunch of different locations covering the SEC, uh, works for the Sports Business Journal. He had a story out earlier this week that they're going to that the NCAA committees are going to have meetings and they're going to address concerns and talk about concerns with NIL. And, and the NCAA brass has said, this is not what we expected it to be when it went into effect in July 1. Like, you know, like, what, what did you expect it to be? I mean, people, the, the fact that people are in position of power <laughs> that, 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 that make comments like that show they don't need to be in positions of power. <laughs> like, how, how dumb is that? And, and I was talking to an assistant coach about this very subject this morning. And, and Hubbard, you know as well as I do, and AP, if they, if they cap it, say if they put a cap on what you can spend, it's right back to – the old days. Yeah, we'll go back to the old way. It's just, I mean, the, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, and, and there's no need to. No, it's toothpaste it, back in the tube, Rob. Toothpaste it's back it, it's here to stay, and it's not going to change. I don't know how you're going to control it after you've let it go the way you have for a year, but but we'll see but what they Rob, – Rob's right, though. If, if, if they put a cap on it, everybody will spend up to the cap, and then the rest will be done under the table like the old days. And, and that's – and I don't know that I don't know that the federal government is going to sign off on a cap. Yes, I agree. You no, know, I, I think that's going to get tied up and everything else. So I, I just think it's the way it is, and it's going to be the way it is for a while. I mean, is um, there going to be a cap on what 
the SEC can make off their next TV deal? Exactly. I mean, you know, we're we're going to cap free enterprise. I don't I don't know that a federal a federal judge is going to going to sign off on that one uh, when it, when it's all said and done. All right, on to the next one. We go. Any new names for the wide receiver coaching position? How much fun will next weekend's Junior Bay Junior Day be for us recruiting fanatics? We'll start with those two. AP. Well, I mean, I do think think that um, you know, I do think that that next weekend's got a, the capabilities to be pretty good as far as uh, kids coming, you know, into town. Um, as far as names, we we, we put a couple of names out there on on Wednesday night hubs and. You look at, you know, former Texas coach Andre Coleman, someone I think is, is at least, you know, you know, Tennessee's got at least, you know, betting and looking into um, current Indiana coach, former Ole Miss wide receivers coach Grant Hurd is another one that, uh, you know, I think Tennessee's, you know, at least, you know, kicked the tires with and at least, you know, had a conversation with. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Tennessee at this point is they've been betting out Alex Golish and Josh Heupel, been vetting out a lot of people. We'll see – out of that vetting process, kind of who four or five guys, six guys are that they really want to have uh, conversations with. Those conversations are easier to happen now because of Zoom and how commonplace that is. So you can actually probably talk to more people uh, than you typically would. And then we'll, we'll go see who they bring into town or who they go see for any kind of face-to-face interview. Obviously, this is Josh Heupel's hire, but I do think Alex Golish is certainly helping a good bit through the, the vetting process. Does losing Burns hurt with anyone other than Carnell Tate? You mentioned Casper. I mean, I think it's then it just a situation where all the receivers Tennessee's are recruiting, that's who they've talked to for the most part the most right now, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it necessarily hurts. Like, I think it hurts more with Carnell Tate than anybody else. Casper hasn't been here, so, like, until he comes here, it's hard to look at Tennessee as a real threat. Right. Noah Rogers came to a game last fall. Um, Tennessee's hoping to get him here sometime in March. Um, and, and then Justin Brown, I don't think it affects him. He's an in-state kid and, you know – I just don't think it affects him. Is it still Nico or Bust at quarterback? And what do you think of the new quarterback offer they gave out last week? Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, right now Nico's the the lead dog. Um, feels like, you know, Dante Moore is drifting further and further away. Now we'll see if he gets here in the month of March. Um, Jaden Rajada, kid from uh, Pittsburgh, California, someone Tennessee else likes uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, I think Tennessee would, would, would love to get him on campus, especially if they come out of the Nico visit feeling like, you know, Nico is a long shot or, you know, is not likely to come to Tennessee. All right. One, uh, one more recruiting question here. How big of a recruit is Christian Conyers? Can Tennessee beat out Kentucky for him? Uh, huge. Um, you know, is someone who likes Tennessee a lot. The family likes Tennessee. Tennessee can beat out Kentucky. Uh, it will be tough, but, you know, uh, they can 100% beat out Kentucky for Christian Conyers. Here's an interesting question from I Heart Balls. Assuming most six- and seven-figure NIL deals for football will cover multiple seasons, will we soon see situations where a head coach doesn't renew a scholarship if the player doesn't pr- produce proportional to their NIL deal? For example, if a Dylan Bates or an O.J. Owens had gotten a six-figure deal would they have been allowed to stay on scholarship as non-contributors or cut so their money would be reallocated somewhere else? You don't really see kids, like, get full-fledged cut. Normally, you know, coaches, you know, encourage and the kid decides to go on. Um, but some there's been a few that, you know, have said, nah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I think Desi would encourage a few, you know, to go in back in January and 
kids, you know, knew that they didn't have to leave until May because, you know, their scholarship's good through the end of May and they, they, they're going to hold Pat and we'll see what happens coming out of spring. But, you know, I mean, I do think that that is, you know, I don't know if you see that like out there in the public unless a kid drags it to the public. But I don't think that's his play. I mean, I, I don't think the scholarship is going to be tied to the NIL. I don't think you can do Not that. Not at all. Yeah, because Tennessee or, or North Carolina or whoever has no say in that. That's yeah, 100%. That's you know, it's, it's all about the language in these NIL deals um, for your perspective, you know, collective or whoever to, you know, set it up to where, you know, you're not tied to a kid if he, you know, leaves your program, go transfer somewhere else or, you know, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's deals are a little bit different, you know, depending on how that's that thing is is, is signed up. I, I, I mean, I th- again, I think this is – we just talked about it. This is not going away, but the complexity and the verbiage on all those deals, Rob – you have to you have to think that they're going to evolve over the course of the next year or two. I mean, I would as situations arise, you know. I would think that you could put some language in there, like you know, that you get your payment, you know, at the first of next year contingent that you are enrolled and on the roster at, at school X right. know, or at Tennessee. I would have to think that that's part of it. Yeah, because I mean, what what we talk about a play a coach not recruiting or not renewing a player, but what if a player was dismissed from school? You know, what if something happened for him? He was dismissed from school or had academic issues, you know, and, and wasn't what renewed if, for that fact. Or what if they're arrested but not kicked off the team and, you know, yeah. pilot didn't want them doing commercials anymore? Yeah, there's a lot of verbiage there that I think uh, these collectives are, are trying to um, finite that as much as they can to protect themselves. And, and obviously, as players and families of players get more savvy and get attorneys involved, there's going to be more – that they're going to look for for protection of themselves. So, again, I think those deals and the language in those deals are going to continue to evolve uh, as this whole NIL world continues to evolve. Uh, Sam Smith, 2233, wants to know, how does Tennessee get better in short yardage situations next year? Why did they struggle so much this year? And would you rather get the three seed and get LSU and Kentucky or the four seed and get Bama and Auburn in the SEC tournament? Let's start with the tournament question first, Rob. I mean, LSU doesn't scare me at all right now. And I think – I mean, I, it, to me, it's really six and one, half dozen the other because I, I think Kentucky and Auburn are, are right there together. I don't, I don't know that I would prefer one matchup over the other. Maybe talk to me Saturday night after I see what Tennessee and, and Auburn looks like. But I guess I'd probably take Kentucky because I think Alabama is playing a lot better than LSU, even though Alabama is not playing great right now. And so I, I would – I would base it more on the Alabama versus LSU than Kentucky and Auburn because I think they're interchangeable as far as how good they are. But don't you look at Kentucky and wonder a little bit about their health too? If they're not healthy well, in they, the backcourt, they, they don't score as well as Auburn oh, scores in my that, opinion. Hubbard, that's a great point. I mean, if contingent upon Ty Ty being 100%, then I view Kentucky and Auburn as equal. But I, I think Alabama is much more dangerous than LSU right now. I think, again, it's all how you look at it. I mean, if Tennessee beats Auburn this weekend, that means Auburn's lost three conference games over the last three weeks, which means, you know, some teams have kind of figured them out or coupled out with it. It's just tough to win on the road. Um, but here's the thing. It's all how, how how does Tennessee play against Auburn. If they win, how, how do they win? If they win by one or two points. I mean, Auburn's got three conference losses by a combined handful of points, you know, all on the road. So I probably would lean with Rob, too, going with Kentucky and LSU over Alabama and Auburn. 
feels to me like Kentucky's a little better matchup for Tennessee. Plus, Rick Barnes has had much more success versus John Calipari that's, that's than he has against Bruce, Bruce Pearl. So I think from a game planning matchup standpoint, I think Tennessee would be more comfortable there. All right, last two and we're out the gate. Back to his short yardage question. I think this goes back, Austin, to the offensive line play. We had this time, we had this conversation in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I think I made reference that a receiver is more important than an offensive lineman. You know, when, you, when you're looking at the grand scheme of thing and using Jamar Chase as kind of an example where the Bengals did not draft an offensive lineman. And, and I had an old dear friend of mine said, hey, I get what you're saying there, but if you're going to win in college football, you got to be able to put the ball down at the five-yard line and go four plays and score. Run, running the ball in and, and so whatever you got to do to fix that is what you got to do if you're Tennessee I think that's in, a bigger running back which Josh Apple's been looking for and better play on the offensive line Austin yeah I agreed I mean you, the nastiest offensive lineman you had went to the NFL so like who, who can replace Cade that's going to be nasty and, and and kind of play with a mean disposition um yeah I think all that matters because I think you kind of are where you are with Sprague's Carvin Darnell, I mean, I'm not sure any of those guys is just mean and think, nasty. I don't think that guy's on the roster. I don't. I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I think you also can. You know, you got to be a little bit creative too. Maybe more quarterback runs. You know, in those situations, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the the shotgun in those situations, hey, but I know that's the way it works and that's what it is. See, I would love to have said, "Hey, this is a perfect chance. <clears throat> We're going to throw Joe Milton the bone and say." Use your six five and two hundred and thirty five pound frame, but he, the way he shot away from contacts last year, start you just can't put him in that position. But you'd love to say that's the perfect opportunity for him, you know? Yeah, I agree. But Hooker runs tougher than he does. Yeah, without question, without question. And and so that's obviously a point of contention for Tennessee. They've got to get better in short yardage situations uh, when you look at the growth and the evolution of this offense from year one to year two. Does baseball, tennis, golf, and men's track all being top 20 teams help the athletic program uh, perception much, or do you think it's more of a ball quest who's just desperate to have some winning programs in Knoxville and outside of the passionate few, they're not real important with the UT's athletic perception? Also, Brent, you said you're, we were, Tennessee is recruiting the UCLA transfer linebacker hard. Can you share any insights on that recruitment, what type of player he is, timeline for enrollment? Is he going to take visits, or will that come later this spring? Um, let's start with the first one. I think baseball is important, Rob, but because there's a brand in baseball in the SEC, so there's a little more notoriety that, that you get with the SEC if your baseball team is successful. I don't mean it. I don't. I'm not saying it means you land a top five recruiting class, you know. But but you, you get some national publicity in the spring, um, in, in late spring. It certainly helped Tennessee a year ago. But, but for the most part, I think you said this best the other day. I mean, it, it's about football and basketball in the SEC, and baseball's a third. Yeah, I mean, and, and don't, I mean, I'm not hating on baseball. I think it's fun, especially it's the only game in town, you know, for, over, what, for probably two and a half months. I think when you're, when you're good, people really get behind it. But, I mean, tennis, tennis, I mean and, and again, I'm not hating on baseball. I like my, me and my wife and, and kids went over there and watched them in the regional, super regional last year. Had a great time. But Hubbard, at the end of the day, they just set a three-day attendance record of what, 14-something thousand? 13,566. I mean, Tennessee's going to have 8,000 more people than that at a basketball game on Saturday. 
it's just, I mean, it's different. It's I mean, just I mean, different. Yeah. I mean, baseball, I mean, again, baseball's got its place and baseball's doing well. Um, but it, it's not a situation where baseball says baseball helps you yield a lot of recruiting uh, type deals. And I mean, they're not taking a bunch of recruits to Austin to, to baseball games on unofficial visits unless a kid wants to go see a baseball game. Let's, let's talk about the UCLA transfer um, uh, AP. What, what do we know there? I mean, I know Tennessee's made the, the, the final four for him. What does that mean? Where do you think that one stands? Well, I, I don't think he's close to a decision. Um, I think he wants to try to see all the schools. Um, I, I talked to him last night and you know he, he's someone that you know loves the the resume for Rodney Garner um I don't think I think NIL he ain't gonna shy away from it if somebody wants to throw him a, something his way but I don't think it's an end-all be-all I think ultimately he wants to use this final year to get prepared for the NFL and whoever can put him in the best position for that is somebody that he's going to look hard 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 at and so I think that ultimately that's where this comes down to is who can sell him on being um, a real force in the defense that can develop him to put him in the best position to be drafted high and in a good spot in the NFL. I think that's what matters. Um, you know, if I was going to handicap it, I would put Washington fourth out of the four. But again, I don't think at this point he is anywhere close to naming a leader or any of that. I think those are the schools that have piqued his interest at this point. That's why they're in the top four. Do you think he'll visit all four? I do. Um, I do. I think he'd love to get to Tennessee sometime in March, he told me. Yeah, so we'll see if that happens. We expect Tennessee to, to have some transfer visitors, certainly in March and April, uh, preparing for their for enrollment in summer if they were to be able to land some guys out there. So we'll keep track on those visitors. Final question here comes from Pine Mountain Ball. Do you know who all had off-season surgeries? Anybody going to miss spring practice? I don't know a number, Austin. I know there were several guys that were they were going to you know look at at shoulders and look at things to make sure that they didn't need any work done there. I know Jeremy Banks was dealing with the shoulder. Uh, Tyler Barron has been dealing with the shoulder a little bit. Uh, Miles Tyler Campbell. had surgery, but I think he's going to be back for spring. Miles um, Campbell, Miles, Miles Campbell had a little shoulder injury that he was doing. Well, is Turnage going to be back for spring? That's one that I don't know the answer to. Yeah, that I don't you know, know. we know he had surgery back at the first of December. Yeah, I don't know who all is going to be back and who all is going to be out. Um, I, I think there will be some guys that they'll be cautious with, and there will be some – The late start helps. Guys. It does help. Late start definitely helps. So we'll get a, an, an update on that hopefully here in the next week or two when, when Josh Heupel meets the media. And of course, Tennessee spring practice slated to start uh, after spring break in the middle of March. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics for Rob Lewis. And Austin Price and Brent Hubs, thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. VolQuest.